Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. The Blue Collar BS podcast helps blue collar business owners like you build a business that will thrive for decades to come. By turning that blue-collar bullshit into some blue-collar business solutions. In this episode, we're going to learn how the generational work ethic is not a them problem. Also, we're going to understand what a major blind spot is in building teams, the impact of effectance, and the most important, probably nugget of today, the mic drop scenario, cognitive apprenticeship. Our guest today is Dr. Jim Bone a doctor that grew up on the shop floor and learned $4 words and brought the blue-collar work ethic to the white-collar workforce and has influenced thousands with his leadership, research, and writings. We hope you enjoy this show. Welcome back, Brad Herda. How you doing, my friend? I am great. I hit the button and then you start laughing. I don't know why that is, Steve. Perfect. It's perfect. It's always normal. It's always normal, and it's great here on a nice, overcast, cloudy, semi-cool day. Pretty cool. It's snowing. It's uh, si- Sweet. No, it's sixty right now. It's sixty no, it and is- rain-ish. No, no, no. It's no. a great opening weekend for baseball somewhere, just not around <laughs> somewhere, here. Just not here in the Midwest. <laughs> so I hear the Midwest. That's so our guest today, got. Mr. Doyle, I am so happy. I've met this gentleman a while ago. Um, he's an amazing study of human behavior. Uh, so Dr. Jim Bone, he's been with large multinational organizations in his career, and he loves studying people. Uh, he's created, a, he's written a few books, and he reached out and said, hey, I think I got something your audience will resonate with through some things that we're talking about, team dynamics and and different things, how things play out. And he said, can I come on the show? I said, absolutely. Let's have a conversation about it. So welcome to the show, Dr. Jim Bowen. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Steve. Uh, this is awesome. I'm, I'm really grateful and honored to be here. It's awesome. So before we dive into our discussion today, first thing we ask everyone is which generation do you resonate or fit in with? Um, Jurassic. Jurassic. <laughs> You're not it. that old. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm just trying to get all, come forward a few years. I would be the true baby boomer. Yes, that's true. Awesome. That's who I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing at all. There's many uh, millennials well, that wishes they were. There's a lot of millennials that claim they're baby boomers on this show. It's, it's amazing how many millennials <laughs> claim they're baby boomers on this show. <laughs> 
Wow. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they need some aging serum or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's because the, the just the behaviors and just the attitude in the blue collar world, it just is one of those things where it's, hey, let's go get it done. We don't need to go hold right. everybody's hand. We don't need a participation mm-hmm. medal. Just go get the work done and let's make it happen. And I think that's why many of them have that type of feel that they resonate with a different generation than their own. As you've gone through your career path, do you have any insight into that type of behavior or anything that you've witnessed over uh, your time in development, growing up on shop floors, etc.? You know, I, my dad was a, a brilliant welder. I was a terrible welder. I just burned stuff. But uh, he he was he was my hero, I, and I write about him a lot in my books. About his work ethic was uh, next to none. He worked three jobs to support the family. He had he was making a buck an hour in a factory. Had me sweeping in a post office as his lackey, and then there was one other job he did part time. But he was uh, when I when I graduated high school, he said, "I got a job for you if you want to do this." And so I went to work directly in the shop that he was at, and I started working on a punch press. I was uh, working okay, on lawnmower decks. You have all the fingers. I do, but all if right. you look real carefully, there's a whole number of scars where they hauled me off to the ER. So <laughs> there's a lot of sharp metal back in the late '60s and '70s. Believe me. Oh yeah. yeah. But uh, so and spent quite a bit of time. You know what? And honestly, I, it, there was something right about it. I, to this day, my son's a tool and die maker. I admire him. In some ways, I wish I was him. I was the black sheep of the family. I got the PhD. Everybody else did real work. So it's kind of the way it was. Christmas must have been a joy. (laughs) It was a a pretty hardball family. People got stuff done. They knew what they were doing. And I'm, I'm proud to be part of that. That's, that's, uh, that's a good thing. And so. I can tell you, I can tell you one quick story though. Uh, You know, my, because my my old man, always assumed that people knew stuff. And so one of my workshops is about leadership blind spots. And his biggest blind spot was he'd send me off to his tool chest, which is about 10 feet tall and say, go get me the nine sixteenths box wrench. And I'm like eight years old. I have no idea what a nine sixteenths box wrench is. (laughs) He's under the car working on a muffler with dust pouring in or rust pouring into his eyes. And I come back with something else. And it was like, it was not a good day. <laughs> so I tell right. leaders all the time, you may know what the box wrench is. Not, not everybody in your place knows where it is. You better tell them where it is. It, right. It's the thingy. It's got, it's all circled. It's all there. It's got like, and it says nine sixteenths on it. Go find that. It's in the, it's in <laughs> the fourth drawer, fourth drawer, <laughs> right hand side, right in the middle. Can't miss it. Right. And then, and then I was always wrapped up in oil rags. And I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing now? <laughs> I, I was terrified to walk back under that car. Is this what you're looking for? Well, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, there were probably one or two uh, epithets that came out. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what I want. You, you know, whatever. So, yes, exactly. He was a great, he was a great, uh, great role model. His, I, I always tell people I took the blue collar work ethic into the white collar work workplace. That's what kept me moving forward when a lot of other people gave up. Right. So keeping on the lines of, of work, work ethic and Brad and I did a show a little while ago called around common sense and how common sense throughout the generations has been different. What have you seen in your experience when we talk quote unquote common sense, 
What are some things that, that come to mind that you see are differences between the workforce today versus the workforce of yesterday? I think the workforce of yesterday always knew there was a way to do stuff and did not rely on technology. We mm-hmm. had to figure stuff out. I'm not saying technology is bad. I'm saying I never looked for this. Uh, I had to figure it out. We had to figure it out. And the common sense was, well, what should we do in this environment as opposed to, I'll talk to Dr. Google. I think that's the biggest common sense thing. Common sense for a millennial or even as he would be, let's go, let's go look it up, right? Right. I think, I think that's accurate. And I'm, I'm not saying that's bad because you can do it fast, but common sense then versus now, I think, I always tell people the major change in anything is technology because we're all people. Mm-hmm. We all got the same issues. But when I've got something on this thing that years ago would take uh, four computers and God knows whatever else to do, and people can get access to them. Now, I don't, I don't think people have to think as hard to solve problems because it's available to them. And in some ways, I'm not sure that's really a good thing long term. Having to suffer through solving problems isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. However, getting things done quickly is what people want. So there's a trade-off there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's um, I think that might be one of the biggest things when working with yeah, my client base and, and others is that blind spot of technology. What's the value, right? And transitioning that knowledge into wisdom aspect of things. We have that conversation Ooh. quite a bit, right? I can have all the knowledge sure. to know what to put into the Google machine to get the answer. It's the wisdom to apply it the second, third, and fourth time without having to go back to Google, right? And, and putting that into your brain to have the wisdom to know when to apply it. And that's some of the things I think in the blue collar industry, particularly in the construction and, and trades world, that is the application of wisdom is becoming much more difficult to wean into people, so to speak, and get them to understand that yeah. Dr. Google doesn't have all the answers all the time. And part of that, part of that is because of Dr. Google. I mean, we're so used to working with this thing. We're not having to face the conflicts that we would have faced in the past with people and having to grind through all the political nonsense that we had to grind through. Now it's like, I just want to get the problem solved. And yet all the people stuff is still there. The, Correct. the, the jealousies, the fairness, competencies, all that stuff is still there. That's where I think the wisdom always came in. And also the common sense came in. It's like, well, if I do this, Joe Smith's going to get X, Y, Z, as opposed to, well, I just got to put this in here and I'll be done with it. And that's really not, not the case. So as you as you talked about blind spots, right, and blind spots of teams and and blind spots of even generations, talk to us about how you went down the, um, you know, leadership power tools aspect and, and putting that all together and leveraging your experience and wisdom to fill a gap in, in that leadership world. Okay. The, the biggest one, Brad, is this. Most of the time when you get some leadership book, it's about that thick. For those of us that can't see us on the podcast because it's an audio show, it's about three and a half inches. Right. So it's this thick book you get on leadership. And I know that because I've also taught at UWM and a couple of other places on leadership in MBA classes. However, most people don't want to do that. Most people want to have a clear answer very quickly. Logically so, people are busy. Like so Google. what I thought about yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it, 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 and, and even you know, but and the other thing was making things 
in the corporate world, with all due respect, sometimes we make things so highfalutin and bring on so many terms to kind of make ourselves feel like we're important. Yeah. And it's we all know it's garbage, but we just do it because then we're walking the language. For me, it was like if I couldn't explain it to my dad, you know, and in a clear language, it's not that he was stupid. It's just that he never went to school. But if it wasn't clear, you know, why would I want to send that up the ladder to a bunch of other people with five, five times the words to make me look like I'm really intelligent? So what I wanted to do, start doing was taking things like this and boiling down really quick snippets of stuff and saying, okay, in two or three pages, give me a lesson learned that I can apply right now. What can I do now? And most of my books, with the exception of one, are like that. My goal was to take all of the things that I had observed working with hospitals and manufacturers and telecom companies, retail, all these different groups and saying, okay, what, what can I assemble here that says this looks like it's consistent across everybody so that I can say, I think this is a truism that you can use and then boil it into something that can be read quickly and applied. I'm a very much an applied guy. I, I love theory as an academic. I would read stuff that would be mind-bending and boring to most people. But that's not what I want to give to people. What I want <laughs> right. to give to people is the ability to say, yeah, this makes sense. Let me go do this. And I've, I've heard that from friends of mine that read my books. That's the, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's one, of the, what's one of the major blind spot pieces you find in teams? Okay. The, the, in teams, the number one thing that I would find in teams is I would say people really don't know how to interact effectively with somebody that's better than them. In other words, uh, Brad's really smart with mathematics, accounting, whatever. And I know you have some of that background. So, and so instead of trying to acknowledge that he's stronger than that area, I just don't want to talk about that. I mean, I think some of that comes from jealousy and maybe some insecurity and uncertainty. Another thing I think that happens a lot is the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And I attribute most of that to the leader. Like a leader would tell person A one thing and forget that and then tell person B something completely different. So I put that mostly in the hands of the leader. But when people are talking to one another and sharing information, that's a good thing. When they're not, that becomes a problem. And that goes, there could be all kinds of reasons for it. It could be jealousy. It could be a fear of being incompetent. That's a really big one. Uh, Like, oh, God, I don't want to show Brad that I don't know how to do this thing. Those things happen within teams, and if people can get past that, they're going to they're going to share information quicker. They're going to make better right. decisions, and they're not going to worry. I mean, you hear all this this crap today about psychological safety. Most of what that stuff is about. <laughs> yes, you said it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Jim, you said that out loud. You know that, right? Yes. <laughs> I don't care. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't care. Yes. I, Perfect. Is anybody want? I would take you back to working with World War II veterans back in the 1970s. If you want to talk about psychological safety, you have no idea. You have no idea. Yes. Um, I mean, that's not who we were or who we are. I think, you know, sometimes I might look at you crosswise. It doesn't mean anything. I may just have a headache or I may have had a fight with my wife. Uh, so let's not make it more than it is. But I think the big things around psychological safety that people could do is just share information and make everybody in the team comfortable that, you know what, we are in this together. That's okay. And somebody's right. not going to do this right. But but let's not turn it into something that's 
where I got to worry about everything that I do that I, I'm paralyzed to get anything done. And yes, you can quote me on that. I don't care. <laughs> right. Ask, ask the Washington football team, which then became the commander, right? <laughs> and, the, and the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah. We're, we're not helping each other by, by continually getting into this granular levels of, if I do this, this is going to happen. I mean, all we're doing is paralyzing ourselves. Let's let's always look together at what we're going to do together, and we, that's the big, that's the fun part. What are we trying to accomplish? Something massive. I don't really care if uh, you know if, if you. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to say it, but let's figure out how to do this together. When we get that done together, it will be fun, and we'll be recognized for it. And we're all going to win. Maybe even financially, we'll win on it. Let's focus on that instead of focusing on our differences. I really believe that. Oh, completely agree. That's usually the most fun that, you know, my career before I went out on my own, that was the most fun is when we had about 30 or 40 people, we kind of all went through the same training together, the same piece of it. And we, we grew the organization. We got more work done with less effort. We did all those things that we were looking for in a manufacturing environment were fantastic and the arguments went away and the accountability to each other went skyrocketing called out everybody's bullshit at around the table and you know meetings that would have been 75 people in the room because nobody trusted each other are now down to six or seven because the information is now there and, and it right. was absolutely amazing that that yeah. piece that bonding of of putting that team together by far still some of the most rewarding pieces i've ever had in my career and you can still feel that emotionally, the power of that, of getting stuff done together. It's like, we did this, and that was really hard at times. It was tough. You know, we had headaches. We worked long hours. But you know what? We did this together. And because of that, that transcends any kind of the things that, that, that might be differences. I really believe that. People like to accomplish stuff. Totally agree. So typically, we're on teams. And I'm seeing this with some of my clients today, where you're bringing in, you'd say, I would say we are bringing in younger people and their work ethic, according to, you know, the superintendents, the, the older people, uh, in some cases they are, some they're not right. Their, okay. their perceived worth work ethic is different. What suggestions would you have for those types of scenarios where, Clearly, there's a there's an age gap, there's a communication gap, but also even when setting expectations, there's a gap. The, the first thing I think about, because I, I, I just by the way, I've just been working at a hardware store with a lot of young guys. I, I, you might have seen that, but I've been working at a hardware store the last six months for fun, um, just a couple of days a week, and I've seen a lot of younger people there. And the, the one thing that I would tell you is they're not really sure where they fit in, right. Uh, so first of all, point. kind of explain uh, that when, when you're, I mean, think back, Brad, when, when we were younger, we walked into the shop floor the first time, you know, that, that sense of, oh my God, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to be able to survive here? As opposed to bringing somebody in and saying, okay, we're going to be working on this particular machine. Here's what you need to do. And here's the reason why all that basic communication, if you give that to somebody who's young and tell them, this is why we need to do these things. To get these things done, that, that I think that goes a long way. But most of the time, it's just like, okay, here we are. They're not sure about where they fit in. Let me show you where you fit in. Not only let me show you where you benefit the company by the work that you do. 
The stuff that you're doing right now, that may, may seem very mundane, but it's either going to be a cleanliness issue or making sure we can get product out on time. Because the, the big issue there goes back to a very, very basic human motivation. It's called effectance. Nobody ever hears about what that is, but it's the idea of I made a difference. You guys have all said that a thousand times. I made a difference. Well, there's a, there's a name for it. It's called effectance. And when somebody says, I made a difference today, I'm a young guy making a difference in this company, that's a big deal. Everybody wants to feel like they made a difference. So one of the other things you can do at the end of the day is to say, you know, we moved 4,000 feet of, I don't know, rebar. This is where you made a difference. Just acknowledging that. Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's on the leader's responsibility because of the way that we were kind of raised. We don't, you know, we're throwing people to the wolves as opposed to saying, there is some value to what you just did today. And not only that, but you're also building for the future where you're probably going to make some more money. And not only are you going to make, maybe be able to move up the ladder. I think telling people those kinds of things is better than just having them kind of flailing out in the breeze like a flag. And I think that happens but because I think part of it's our own perceptual issue. I get, I get the thing about work ethic, but sometimes when I just come in and look at somebody younger and say, you're never going to have my work ethic. I've already set myself up to look at them that way. Correct. As opposed to saying, you know, come on over here, let's talk about this together. Because one of the other things I've read in the research is that younger people are looking for mentoring or coaching or whatever. I mean, absolutely. it's not, you've heard about that too, Brad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but so why don't we just do that as part of the daily work You say, come on over here, this is what we're going to do. And then check in. I mean, I'm not saying coddle anybody. But I am saying there's times to talk people through and kind of coach them on what they should be doing and then tell them, tell them where they made a difference. That's a big deal. Right. I, I, I work part time at American Family Field um, just for fun because I enjoy the game of baseball. And there was this one runner last year. I mean, she was just absolutely killing it all the time, everywhere, just doing everything that needed to be done. And I'm one of the supervisors and she typically didn't work in my section, but I'd see her in the in the beverage room or wherever and say, man, you, you are killing it right now. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And you just see her face just light up and different things. And it's like, Hey, she's working the crap. You know, I don't know the backstory. I don't know all those things, but probably working to have some money to do some things that are, are different. And, um, right. Just that little bit of motivation of, of value went just a long way in the evening and her night went better then and, and vice versa. And you find yeah. those little bits of opportunity and it makes a big difference. It does. And then one of the other things that we don't think about specifically in the Midwest is a lot of us were raised in a culture where recognition was not something we thought about. We didn't Correct. think about a pat on the back was like almost a pejorative thing. Let me give you a pat on the back. As opposed to any one of the three of us sitting here, if, you, if somebody gives you a genuine handshake and thanks you for a job well done, I guarantee you that matters. I'm 70 yeah, years does. old and somebody thank me for a job. It matters. And so the recognition that you were giving there, that's that's a way to show her that she's having an effect. That will build some a fuel in, in, in that, that fire reactor that she's got to say, wow, somebody's acknowledging I'm doing something. I'm going to work even harder. I think one of the, and as the Midwestern ethic, we're, we're so inclined to, to play that stuff down because we're afraid people are going to you know get a big head. But it, it's not like that. I've not seen that. When I worked at... Uh, Big company worked at that won't, won't be named, but customer service team that was in disaster zone. And after different recognition projects based on data, by the way, based on data, you, you based it, Brad, on the fact that she was killing it. Right. Based on data, 
I'm telling you, it made a dramatic difference. And we went on to win a, a pretty high level award. So uh, we, we, we just, we never really want to get into the recognition thing in the Midwest because it's like, you, I remember one guy did a workshop one time. I was in front of a hundred guys and I said, why don't you want to give people recognition? This guy just screamed out because I pay him. Because <laughs> like, okay. it's expected for them to do it, right? It, it's not going to cost one time to shake somebody's hand, I guarantee it. Right. But no, mm-hmm. you don't need to give anybody any emotional support. Let's not do that. But I guarantee you, this current generation requires that. We're not going to get away with not doing something like that. Well, and and I even think it goes even to the the older millennials like Steve or younger Gen X's um, <laughs> to have the, <laughs> it's been a while, Steve. That, yeah, that it, it, it's been. And <laughs> even within the Gen X category, right? Even, you know, I'm in that cat, having that appreciation of going to take a job and you just look at all the number of, of 50 somethings and late 40 somethings that have left the workforce or have started to go look for something different because they're tired of the bullshit of no, not having that recognition or that support. Um, there's a large change in the workforce that's, that's here and uh, leaders need to accept that. If either one of you, if you, either one of you two guys look back in your past as people you worked for, just think mm-hmm. of one person who thanked you occasionally and meant it. I'm not yep. talking about BS. I'm talking about legitimately thanking you. And you'll say, yeah, I'll march into the fire with that guy or that girl. But if you've got somebody that just has never said any, like even a word like uh, of gratitude for the work you've done, that you feel like, well, whatever. I spent a third of my my life here for the last five years, and I didn't mean a thing. As opposed to, you know what? I matter around this joint, and it's cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. That's, that's yes. I completely agree. So the book, the latest book, is what Jim? Latest book is called People Development: The Best Part of Leading a Team. That is that is about the concept of, of of employee development. Most of the time, when uh, anybody hears employee development, they they go, "Oh my God, now I got to do another corporate thing, and I got to sit down with." You, you, you're laughing because you know <laughs> it's like, okay, why am I doing this? this? Is so boring. And the person, you're, the employee you're sitting with, there they want to get through it too because they'd rather go to a dentist appointment than do this. So I, I thought, wait a second. There's got to be something better here. And I'm look, I started looking back at the employees that I worked with, the team members I had, the things that I did to help develop them, and the things that made them better employees along the way, and the things that made them even go up the ladder. I mean, I don't take credit for all that, but I put them in a circumstances where they could learn things. Right. People had done that for me, and I got better as well. So that's what mm-hmm. this is about. I talk about motivation like we just talked about a couple of minutes ago. I talk about some real specific things like, what are some things you can actually do? I run down a list of about 25 items people can do. So what's one, uh, of, what's one, of, what's one of those items to share with the audience? The simplest one, the simplest one is, Brad, is called cognitive apprenticeship. Here's a couple of $4 words. In other words, sitting down with somebody. <laughs> Says the PhD. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I can't not be who I am. Um, but cognitive apprenticeship just means like any apprenticeship, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to explain to you why I do the things I way I do. Let me explain to you how I've thought stuff through. Uh, this is why I did what I did. Most people don't know that. They don't have ESP. But if you sit down and say, well, the last time I worked with this particular individual on this project, here's some of the things that we had to face. Let me tell you how that worked out. 
So now you've given that person insight into how to work with an individual in the organization. They wouldn't have had it any other way. So you're giving them cognitive apprenticeship. You're giving them insight to your thinking. That's a very simple thing to do. It doesn't cost any money. Uh, it, it, you could consider it coaching, but most of the time it's like, if you've got a really hard political problem to figure out and this person's coming to you, you sit down and explain that to them. Uh, that's that. But there's other things, giving them a chance to go to a workshop, giving them a chance to visit a customer, giving them a chance to give a, a customer report, giving a chance to give your team some information they didn't have. Simple things that make people learn new stuff and feel like they matter in the organization. Plus, they gain stuff along the way. So there's, right. there's a lot of different things that can be done to develop people. It doesn't always have to cost money. Most of the time, it's just a little bit of managerial effort. Right. Mm -hmm. Most of it doesn't cost money. Most of it's just right. what the, the biggest thing is care, right? Care, yeah. care, care about your people, care about your organization, care about the results. And then a lot of that comes forward. Obviously, the book is, is out. It's published. Is that correct? Are we good to go now? That is correct. It's out on Amazon. In fact, I'm just trying to find the one area where I've got this list of stuff. Here's... Here's an example, a list of stuff that you could do if you're sitting down. I made it in a workbook format. So cool. I look at my team members and, I, and I, list, I list a bunch of things. Communication skills, presentation skills, increasing their technical capacity. How about teaching them accountability? How about teaching them to be professional? How about teaching them how to do what I call executive condensing, getting a, a, a long story <laughs> into like 60 seconds, um, talking about any of a number of things and saying, looking at my team and say, well, I think this guy needs this help. So I'm going to develop that right now. And the other thing that when, when you tell people that it's like, Oh, you're actually thinking about my benefit. You're thinking about right. my future. You want to help me out. So it's, it's more of a workbook sort of format. And to your point, yes, it is out on Amazon and it's, it's starting to sell nicely. I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's spectacular. And if somebody listening to the show, one of our, uh, electrician friends or one of our plumbing friends or home maintenance guys or window cleaners throughout the country here want to say, Hey Jim, this is really exciting. I kind of looked at the snippet, but they want more. They want that one-on-one -on -one connection or they want to be able to pick your brain. Where do they find you? How do we connect with you? Where do we go? What's the best way to, yeah, they, the can't, simple... they all can't go to the hardware store, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like the hardware store. It's fun. Uh, the best way is just to reach me at my email, drbonephd at gmail.com. Okay. Drbonephd at gmail.com. That way we can get in touch with each other. I don't like to hand out my cell phone because then I get all kinds of extra curricular stuff that I don't want. <laughs> but uh, if you want to email me, and, and by the way, if you've listened to the show, I'm glad to give you a, a few minutes of my time, literally free of charge, just to talk and Maybe I can give you a couple of, of suggestions, but I'd also suggest to them, and I'm going to do just a bit of a pitch here, Brad. I mean, I've got other books out there like The Nuts and Bolts of Leadership. I've got uh, Architects of Change. These are right. other books that, that people can go out and read and say, again, basic one-on-one uh, -on -one stuff that's going to help you figure out how to get your job done better. And if you're a geeky kind of guy, I've got a, a book called Getting IT Right. The, this is... This is one that comes with a bottle of excedrin. So. Perfect. Just we need yeah, more that. aspirin. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, we appreciate you having me on the show. I'm taking the time to get here today and, and spend some time and some insights. 
dropping some $4 words on us, cognitive <laughs> apprenticeship that, and please forgive uh, me. Right. It, what was the other one? Effect, effectance. Effectance. Yep. Right. It's like, oh. okay, cool. We got new, new language here and it doesn't, and it's all clean. That's the best part. So thank you. Right. For I did my, new I did language. My best. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Hey, you guys take care. Thanks again for yep. your help. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.